0: Hi everybody and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today I have another subscriber request. This was somebody in my private Facebook group so you should join that. Um, It's a bunch of people who are interested in talking about things that I write about and there's fun questions for people to answer and actually um, a lot of people are doing their own threads instead of me just having to do all of them so that's great. Um And it's coming into a good little community. So you should definitely join that if you're interested in the topics that I discuss. And you don't want friends and family to see you comment on Facebook. And also, of course, you should subscribe to hear all of my past episodes, which are on all of the topics, you know, similar to the ones that you hear here. But I go more into depth on empathic ruptures and neediness and boundaries and sex. I got to say the oral sex one. I say that every time. People are really subscribing mostly for that, I believe. And many more. So today uh, we are going to talk about the idea of faking it till you make it, and uh, a lot of people have trouble with this conceptualization because it feels disingenuous to them. So they're trying to learn a new skill, which is like a lot of what you do in therapy, as you try to learn new ways of thinking and behaving, and. Um, they want their so, so okay, so let's let's uh back it up. So there are three variables that we're going to be talking about, and they all interact emotions, behaviors, and thoughts. So these it, all impact one another, they all have arrows pointing to each other, one to the next, to the next, to the next, right? So all of these influence each other, and it's also bi directional, it can go any way so for example if I put you on ecstasy you're going to start feeling real happy and then your behavior is you're going to start hugging people and your thoughts are going to be I love all people right so I intervened at the level of behavior uh biologically pharmacologically and thereby I change your behavior and your thoughts Therapy, though, cannot really often change your deep emotions, especially if they are really biologically rooted for and deep seated for a long time, like depression. So I can't just make you happy, you know. Otherwise, I would be uh, so rich I wouldn't need to work anymore because I would have figured out the secret to somehow snapping my finger and making my clients happy, and I can't do that. However, what we can do and how we can intervene are on the thoughts and the behaviors which then in a feedback loop frequently change the emotion. So what do I mean by this? I mean that you have to fake it till you make it which is what somebody asked, is this really what you have to do? It's, you know, sounds so inauthentic. Of course, it's what you have to do. It is what you do in every other regard. The first time you try spin class, you felt like you were going to die, but you kept on spinning like you knew how to do it. And then eventually you start to like that you build that skill, right? The first time, by the way, that you read a parenting book, and you decided to talk to your kid with more patience or with more validation, that also was super super fake that was a behavior so the thought from reading the book oh shit i ought to be more validating led to a behavior of saying oh it looks like you're upset You know what I think about doing that to excess, but saying it every so often is fine and great, you know, and um, then that actually changes an emotion from anxiety or anger when interacting with an upset child to understanding patience um, and maybe even pride that you can navigate your child's, uh, you know, meltdowns or what what have you so you are faking it there too and when you go on date night you're really not in the mood to be on date night should you fake like you are and act happy yeah of course how is this disingenuous yet so many people think it is because they think that the word fake or that trying to do something that you're not in the mood to do is somehow bad it's not bad. In fact, the more like shit you feel and the better you act on date night, the better of a partner you're being. And just knowing that there is such a disparity between your mood that is in the toilet and that you're trying to act sociable and fun and cute and flirtatious on date night, just even knowing that and observing yourself doing this behavior may change your emotion. Ironically, right? Because you're like, "Wow, I'm doing a pretty good job. Look at my husband. He's really responding, "Well, I guess we're having a good night. I'm really a good wife, et cetera, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So never let it um, hamper your progress, the idea that you are being fake. When you're trying out some new, healthier behavior that you may have read about or that your therapist may have told you or that you hear on this podcast, right? So just because you don't feel like doing something has absolutely no bearing on whether you should do it. And this is such an unpopular opinion when it comes to sex. But of course, it's for sex, too. Of course, you should try Try start kissing your partner so you're not in the mood. As I've discussed myriad times, many women are never in the mood, never, ever within monogamy, no matter how much they love their husband. They never experience spontaneous desires. You can go back to the Responsive Desire podcast for a lot more detail on that. So does that mean that they should therefore be sexless? Certainly not. Not unless they choose to. And in that case, they need to share that decision and the partner probably will leave. But if you want to try to change either your emotion or your thought, start with your behavior. I was actually trained in this as a methodology for uh, depression treatment at the University of Maryland. In grad school, it's called behavioral activation. And it works very well with people who do not really like talk therapy. So at that point, we were working with veterans uh, men who didn't really like to overly analyze what they were thinking and feeling. So instead, we schedule positive events in their life, activities that they can go do and feel good about having done, whether those are life activities or hobbies or anything. And just getting out there and doing things, we are intervening at the behavioral level, which, as you remember, impacts the two other variables in the equation for mood emotion and thoughts. So let's say that that a guy has very bad depression, a veteran where I used to work, and, and so he's basically sitting around watching TV all the time. He's not even showering. So get up, take a shower. This could be one goal. So you get up, take a shower. He's faking it. He's faking that he wants to take a shower. He doesn't want to take a shower. He's faking that he wants to, in a sense. He gets up. He feels better after he did it. He feels like, all right, I did something. I'm showered now, so maybe I could go somewhere. And then you start to think, well, I guess I could. Maybe I could go grocery shopping. And then I feel good about doing that. Then my house looks like a house again. Oh, look, there's food in the refrigerator. Oh, good. Okay. You know, and you start to go on an upward trajectory. So what I was saying before is with depression, there's no way I could snap my fingers and make you happy right? But what we can do is you can power through executing certain behaviors that make you feel like you're living a life of value. And you could refer back to my podcast that is subscription on are you living a life that you find deeply fulfilling that refers to some principles of act or acceptance and commitment therapy. If you can't be happy, you can't just snap your fingers and be happy. None of us who have struggled with depression, uh, that's never worked for us, right? So what you can do is you could try to intervene at the level of behavior, as I'm saying, or thought so you could change your thought from I'm not in the mood to exercise so I shouldn't you could change that to when I'm not in the mood to exercise is probably when I should go exercise the most or I will feel proud of myself for exercising because it is good for my body no matter whether I like it or not etc so with um A lot of people can get behind this. This seems to make sense. But then when it comes to the relationship with a significant other, that is where the hard stop comes. It's like, you're telling me, but I'm not in the mood to have sex. I'm not in the mood to have a conversation. I am not in the mood to listen to her talk about her day, etc. So any of those sorts of things, who cares, right? You're not in the mood because you are telling yourself that your moods Well, you're not in the mood for various reasons. You could be depressed, anxious, uh, have chronic pain you could be very tired whatever's going on but you're telling yourself that your mood thereby should influence what sort of a partner that you are you need to disconnect these much in the ways you do for parenting so you know most of us in today's parenting day and age will not say to the kid you know i just really don't like reading you know so i'm never going to do that again i'm not in the mood to ever read to you so you are sol on that and hopefully your other parent does you know because as for me i'm out Nobody's gonna say that, right? And if you do, you're at least gonna feel very guilty about doing it and probably take it back the next day. So, however, people will say that sort of stuff to their significant other all the time, and then we wonder why people get divorced at such high rates, right? Because people in this um, day and age, at least, do not prioritize the relationship in any way even equivalent to, never mind above, but even equivalent to the children, or even a close second, or even a far second, right? It's usually like uh, children, self... Work, working out, hobbies, Instagram, husband, right? So, what the difference would be is if you changed your thoughts to say, it doesn't matter if I am in a good mood, I am still going to act pleasant so you have that thought and then what do you do you change your behavior so they say hey want to hear about my day and instead of saying does it look like I want to hear about your day I'm pretty tired right like instead of saying something like obnoxious you might say oh yeah sure tell me about your day and so that behavior of saying those words may make your partner feel closer probably they may smile they may start talking and then what's going to happen sometimes at least your emotion will actually change even if it doesn't change on a dime if you start these new patterns of engagement and different sorts of behavior over time your net emotion will probably grow more positive this is the same stuff that i tell people i have my podcasts about um, when your child is really annoying so when people are struggling with bonding to their children Whether it's a baby or an older child, for various reasons, people struggle with this. It's very taboo to say it, but people struggle with it. And uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of. What is something to be uh, less than happy about is if you show this to your child that you don't like them. Don't do that, right? That is not right. So what you need to do is you may not like your child. Your child may trigger the shit out of you. So while you go to therapy to figure out why or listen to my podcast to figure out why or go to depression treatment because you're probably depressed or whatever, you got to act like you like your child. So how can you do this? I give you um, tips in that podcast, you know, but overall, you got to fake it till you make it. You have to fake it until you make it act like you like your child the same as you would act like you like your coworker to keep your job or your boss and the same as you ought to act like you give a shit about listening to your partner's day even if you don't or that you are still into um, going on date nights even if you may not be right then because it once you start doing these behaviors and you tell yourself that these things are important, then frequently your emotion follows. And even if it doesn't, because obviously many people cannot jog their emotion into a positive one, no matter what, even if it doesn't, you are still then living a valued life that you can be proud of. And I discussed this with treatment resistant depression. So even if your mood never changes and it never improves, you still could be a good mother, a good father, a good husband, a good wife, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are people who struggle with lifelong depression, and they still have children who love them and who they were there for them, and they feel good about themselves. Um Maybe not moment to moment, but it, uh abstractly on a l- large-scale macro level, they feel like I did right by my children, and I added to uh, the world I added some sort of value so these you can't always change your emotions so waiting for your emotion to change before you engage in a behavior is a folly because this may never happen and thereby you're cutting yourself off from all sorts of behaviors that in fact may then influence on their own your thoughts and your emotions this is why fake it till you make it is so important. Now you may say, but what if it's something that is not consistent with my values? So let's say that you're telling me that I should be having sex with my husband, but you know what? I do not want to ever have sex with my husband. My husband is such an asshole. Well, then don't do it, right? I mean right, don't do it. Like don't don't have sex with your husband, but then don't stay married. So then figure out some other way to make your life make sense. Where the problem comes in is when people people stop and they say, okay, I don't want to fake it till I make it, but I want to remain in the same exact situation you know, no, that doesn't work. So you can't say, you know, I would like to still be thought of as a good mother, but I really would never like to do bedtime routine again. And I don't feel like cooking dinner either. So, you know, but still I do want to think of myself as a good mother. So I don't want that to change. No, if a behavior changes, then the thoughts and emotions have to change around it. So with the people that don't want to have sex with their partner anymore, they still somehow think that they are in the right. That is is the problem. If somebody really coherently consistently says I never feel like having sex with my husband therefore I feel like I should never do that and therefore I am divorcing my husband. Godspeed right that you have made your decision but the problem comes when people say no I want to wait until I want to have sex with my husband. I'm not leaving. I'm not letting him leave. (laughs) I am just only Deciding that I must wait until the mood strikes me, and it has not so far in 2022, but maybe it will in 2023. Now that is a very dysfunctional way of thinking. So fake it till you make it, you are you are attempting to um understand the linkages that are bi-directional between emotion, behavior, and thought. The opposite of that is waiting for God to descend and with his magic finger tap you on the nose and make you happy. You know, keep waiting because that really doesn't happen. And it reminds me, in fact, of their, you know, the parable um, that that there was a flood. Many of you have probably heard this. And there was a guy who was sitting on his roof and there was a flood and he was praying and he was saying, um, uh, God, please save me from this flood. And then somebody comes by in a kayak and says, jump in and he says no no god will save me and then somebody comes by on a raft and the guy says join me and this person is still praying and he says no no god will save me and then he drowns and he gets up to heaven and he says to god What happened? And God said, didn't you see the kayak and the raft? Right. So people have in their mind a very specific way that changes should be executed. And it is usually the most effortless way, which would be being in a great mood and in the sort of mood that makes you want to change your behaviors and your thoughts. Keep on waiting, though. I mean, sometimes great. Godspeed. Wait for it. I hope that the perfect mood overtakes you and that you feel motivated, happy, and energetic. But for everybody else, you may be waiting for Godot, waiting for the perfect mood to strike you. So in those cases, we fake it till we make it by changing our thoughts or our behaviors, both of which are more inside our control usually than our emotions. And so hopefully this helped you understand a little bit of the underpinnings of cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, behavioral activation. And more importantly, for what we are doing, the benefits of a fake it till you make it idea. Now, if you try to fake it till you make it and you can't, there's other things to try right maybe you're trying too hard you maybe your step up is too big maybe you're trying to go from somebody who barely engages with their spouse to somebody who's planning elaborate romantic uh, retreats maybe you need to go to make your goal into fake smiling until I until that becomes de rigueur you know or fake saying hello you know like fake being in the mood to say hi this is enough for many people to be transformative there's so many couples I work with that don't even look up when the other comes into the room so if you're at that level looking up like that that could be you are fake it till you make it you're not in the mood to look up but you're gonna do it anyway and it's the same sort of thing for any of the other uh, issues that we're working on if you can't hang out with your kid because they annoy you too much you can't hang out with them for an hour try a half hour if you can't try a half hour try 10 minutes or try 60 seconds you know whatever it is this is called um Uh, shaping when you do it in behavior training. You're trying to get closer and closer to the desired behavior. So yes, fake it till you make it is not a bad thing. All it means is we're trying to intervene at the behavioral level because trying to change our emotion previously didn't work. Or we could try to engage to intervene at the thought or cognitive level, which cognitive behavioral therapy is very helpful um, for teaching you how to do that right how to examine your thoughts and say oh that thought is unhelpful I'm going to replace it with this one or maybe I'll challenge it or maybe I'll see where did learning this thought where did this originate did my mother always say this thing like you know many times people will say something that's so negative and I'll be like who said that to you and they'll be like my mother <laughs> you know they never thought about it before but it's literally when they're called out they're like My mother said, the only one you could trust is yourself. I didn't even remember that. That was when I was a little kid, etc. So um, I tried to conclude this podcast uh, once, but it seemed like I had more information. So I will now actually conclude it. And have a great day, everybody. I hope that this taught you something. And if it did, please do subscribe and have a nice afternoon.